After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey. 36, right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something, point something. He's not putting a stick in you. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Okay, so it's officially the offseason. We haven't had any new rules come at us. Uh, we haven't had any controversies. The fans who say they don't like something or think there was a bad call, that's kind of a 12-month thing, though, isn't it, isn't it Josh? I, we really haven't got anything new to talk about. Yeah, there are still fans complaining about calls out there, Todd. There, there are still still coaches' challenge and overturned goals. Riddle, riddle. Yeah. Still haunted by the specter of the goal that could have been the quick whistle, the offside. Yeah, they, they don't let that go, even in the summer. Yeah, so I think what we need to do is we need to bring in someone who is going to provide some good information, tell a few stories, provide some insight and knowledge into what it's really like to be an NHL on-ice official. Do you think that might work for us? I think it would, and I think we know just the guy, right? Okay, yes. Make sure you're following us on the social channels, of course. It's at Scouting the Refs for Josh on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, always new stuff on the ScoutingTheRefs.com website. So let's welcome to the show a former NHL official from 1990 to 2017. He's from British Columbia near New Westminster. He officiated more than 1,600 NHL games. So please welcome to the show former NHL linesman and referee, Jay Sharers. Jay, it's good to talk with you again. You and I had a conversation uh, a while back as part of another podcast. It's good to reconnect. How is life post-officiating? Well, first of all, Todd, thanks for having me again. Things are good post-officiating. Probably been busier than I thought I might be in quote-unquote retirement, but uh, it's been great. It's really been great being back around the game again and uh, helping try to give back and develop some of the the next generation that's trying to make a uh, a career out of officiating. Yeah, always an important part. I know there's there's never enough officials, and we want the officials that are out there to have the right tools to be successful and and working on moving up, advancing, and, and working those games. And I know you've uh, you've got the Jay Shares officiating school kicking off in the very near future. Second year of this. Tell us a little bit about what goes on at your officiating school in Colorado. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Obviously, last year being the uh, inaugural year, things uh, went off probably as good or better than we could have expected. This year's second year, obviously, we're excited. We've got uh, just close to 30 kids registered right now, probably going to cut it off around 40. The difference with this uh, school camp, whatever you want to call it, it's geared a little bit more to grassroots officiating. So, a lot of the participants, be they male or female, are still playing. The demographic is pretty much 16 to 23, 24, so definitely a younger group of officials. But our mission statement was to, to try to interest and try to help 
young people that were thinking about officiating, but obviously looking at numbers in both Canada and the U.S., numbers are down, and we understand that because I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. Sometimes, unfortunately, abuse that kids don't want to take, and quite frankly, I can't blame them. So we're just trying to give them a three-day event that not only focuses on officiating, but also uh, some of the guest speakers that we have will be uh, speaking on life decisions and life choices. So trying to encompass more of a different um, template, if you will, in terms of, yeah, officiating is a big part of this, but I think also just trying to be a, a positive environment, a fun environment for three days for kids to, to yeah, learn about officiating, but also to to hopefully make some good uh, good life decisions moving forward. I like that you're focusing on grassroots. I think that's great, as opposed to trying to convince players or former players to jump into it later in life. There's no reason you can't pursue a, an almost parallel path when you're you're at that age. If you're playing hockey at a level, you could certainly be officiating other games as well, and whether it's different leagues or or younger leagues as well. So I like the approach of that. And do you have skating drills and most specifically stops and starts during the camp yeah we uh we actually have the benefit of uh, a really good power skater that runs the uh, kids through right off the bat the first session of the day on friday just trying to obviously reinforce the skill set that you need in officiating right now in terms of obviously for kids that are working the four official system or the three official system just being good as far as edges and knowing that positioning is such a paramount in terms of officiating in terms of seeing a play correctly and getting to the right location having the proper sight line so we really try to kick the uh, school off on friday to to kind of reinvigorate or kind of retrain the muscle memory of just basic skating like edge work and tight turns and backward skating and forward skating and transitions. So, I mean, I think that's why, and, and to your point you made, as far as this being a more of a grassroots setup is to try to formulate a good foundation. And again, regardless of that as a player and official, I think it's always necessary and speaking personally in terms of my own development throughout officiating to learn those skills at a younger age and hopefully, you know, carry them through. And again, if you don't want to pursue officiating after even coming to our school for three days, it at least gives you a benchmark of what is involved. And I think a lot of kids, regardless of how high they've played and even with respect to some of the the guys uh, that have been hired by the NHL in the last few years, I think sometimes when you're a player, you're so focused on playing, you don't even watch the skill set of the officials and knowing what's involved. Because when you do transcend into, or transition, excuse me, into, into that realm of officiating, I think there's certainly a little bit of a retraining. So our goal is to try to get that training into these young people at a at a younger age, at a more uh, formative age, where they can can carry this skill set on as they pursue officiating or as they pursue even playing at a higher level. Yeah, it's probably a valuable perspective to have just to understand what things are like from an official's point of view. And obviously skating, it's universal, it's applying. So even if you're learning skating drills specific to officiating, I can see just, you know, that edge work and the, the muscle memory coming into play at other points. But you mentioned, Jay, you know, having some of the grassroots kids that are, are playing right now, and obviously we've seen at the NHL level, some recruitment of 
higher level players that have made the the jump over to officiating. How does that translate? What what skills are we looking for when you go from playing to officiating or what maybe is most surprising to some of these guys and girls at camp that they come in and try to transition from the player to the official? Where's the hardest part to learn or where are the challenges that come from making that jump? Well, that's a great question. And I think probably one of the easiest answers in a very short form would be just skating without a stick. Because I think if you've played hockey, you definitely have a little bit of a a different uh, uh, setup as far as skating with a stick. So when you transcend into skating as an official, you're obviously having to to just rely on your upper on your lower body and have your upper body work in unison in terms of which direction and, and which uh, you know turn you're trying to make. So our focus and like I said with our with our power skating on uh, on Friday night is to really kind of just start over and. You know, for one that might be sitting in the stands and watching uh, our session might think it's kind of rudimentary, but in actuality, it's all things that that I think when we all learn to skate at a young age, we're very much a focus. But then sometimes as we get older, you you kind of switch or you maybe get into some bad habits. And, and I think that can be said to your point, even for officials, whether they're male or female, trying to get on the radar of the NHL and maybe working in the American Hockey League. Most of the feedback I get from some of these officials is it is a difference skating out there without a stick and just relying on your edge work simply on your balance and your cadence and your proper positioning and your proper leg bend and things like that that I think sometimes, be they male or female, you take for granted. Just before we get into some of the other things that you've done post-career, and I want to go back to a little bit to your NHL career as well, you have some pretty high-profile instructors and guests as part of your camp too, don't you? Yes, we do. We're very fortunate to have former and current officials coming in for a guest speaking engagement. Dave Jackson, Brad Watson, Tom Chmielewski, and John Grant. So obviously, we're very thankful to have them be part of our team and be able to share their vast experience and, you know, in some case with Brad and and Dave, you know, three decades of hockey officiating experience. And obviously the new role that Dave is in with ESPN is is great because he can kind of give a, a different perspective to the attendees at the school in terms of just how he's been able to transcend from from on the ice to off the ice. I'd have to imagine for him, and and we've talked to Dave uh, a handful of times here, just getting that different take from when you're making the calls, when you're seeing it at ice level, to getting that perspective from upstairs, and then being tasked with conveying that to the audience at home and, and explaining it. It's a little bit of a different mindset when you're going from in the moment calling the game to trying to rationalize or explain or help folks understand. And I know, Jay, for you, as as an officiating manager in the National Hockey League, that's probably part of what you're doing as well is trying to get behind it, understand it, and share that perspective. But your audience being the officials who are calling the games, and uh, what's that like for you or how was it for you to adjust your perspective coming off ice and, and looking at the officiating from a different perspective? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the challenge that I've put on myself now being two, two and a half years into doing the officiating managing is trying to use a similar mindset that I did when I was on the ice to, you know, advance my development and be able to share with the the group of officials that I'm now working with on a on a season basis to try to share and give them the benefit of my experience and my knowledge 
that I was able to glean over 30 years in the NHL. So I think, like I said, it's just a, it's a new challenge for me because I think sometimes, and you guys could probably both relate to this, the, the younger generation, I think, sometimes learns so much better with a video perspective than perhaps they do from an audio perspective. So no different the teams that realize, I mean, when you see a team in the NHL, there's always the iPad on the bench because I think this generation gets a lot out of seeing a play and understanding and been able to, to kind of put that constructive criticism to work because of the video feedback. In a way, it's a, a benefit to have this extra video and exposure, but that's part of the education process, I suspect, as well, for you working with officials, whether it's before, during, after games, between games as well. And, and, and the other video aspect part of it that I'm not sure everybody understands is how it works in terms of the, the NHL situation room where... They're reviewing video on the ice, but they're in conversation with the the video room in Toronto. And I'm not sure everyone understands how that process works. Could you maybe give us a little insight and help us understand that? Well, obviously, at the at the end of the day, and if you look at major sports in terms of utilizing video review, and hockey was one of the first, if not the first, if I'm not mistaken, to utilize video review, the ultimate goal is to get the call correct. And obviously there's a procedure that is followed in terms of the on-ice referees and or linesmen on an offside challenge that they're working in concert to your point with uh, the Situation Room in Toronto. But at the end of the day, there is still a, a focus on the input that the on-ice officials can give the Situation Room of being on the ice in the moment. But I think you look at so many sports now and, and the downside if there is such a thing of video review is that people forget that judging in video review is such a different perspective than judging in real time and i think there has to sometimes be and, and i think that's the challenge if you were to ask anybody who works consistently in the nhl video room is to trying to to find something where you can mesh the knowledge of seeing a play in real time with hopefully good positioning and then utilizing video to either support or perhaps refute what you saw. And, and ultimately to, to the point I made at the start is to just get the correct call because that's what we all want. I mean, there's not an official at any league or any sport that doesn't want to be correct and, and obviously allow the game to be played fair and safe with the best team winning. That's the challenge, right? We've balanced how much do we want to get the call right versus how much are we interrupting the flow of the game or how much time are we spending with reviews? But that's kind of where the league set the line on. These are the situations we want to review and, and these are the ones we, we necessarily don't want to review. Like we're not getting into penalty reviews for minor penalties. We're not getting into missed penalties. But I think there's right. always that appetite to see what else can we do? How else can we get better? And do you see anything, Jay, that that's apparent to you of where the league could potentially go next, whether it's additional review or whether it's using puck tracking to try to tell, even if it's just pucks played with a high stick, pucks over glass, is, is there anything that jumps out at you as like from a tech standpoint, how can we get more calls right and how can we do it faster? Well, you're probably asking the wrong guy because I'm still trying to figure out how to send a text message. So. <laughs> no, but in all in all seriousness, I think obviously, and you mentioned one of them for sure, was the puck out of play. And I think 
knowing that, you know, and having been in those situations consistently when I was still on the ice with the, the lighting in the building, the quickness of the play, the positioning in terms of being close to the glass or not being close to the glass, depending on which official you're relating to. I think to an official on the NHL staff right now, and quite possibly the American League staff would be utilizing that tool for that penalty, because obviously, you know, and you guys are well aware of this, that we've seen plays like that have a consequential outcome of a hockey game, whether it's, you know, late in the regular season when teams are battling for, for playoffs or in playoffs. As far as other situations, that's probably a little bit above my pay grade. So <laughs> I would probably uh, defer to the powers that be. But I think, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I think the, the bottom line is to be able to use video review to aid and assist in getting the correct call. But I think sometimes, and, and again, you guys are aware of this, that coaches and, and, and teams always want to try to utilize a rule change to their advantage. And I think sometimes, and again, speaking with respect to hockey, we have to maintain the spirit of why a rule change or a, or a rule procedure has come in and try to keep it within those parameters. Now, again, I'm not foolish, nor are you guys to not understand that, that a coach is going to try to do everything they can to win and to, to get the call that they want. But I think at the end of the day, when even when you were to question them away from the game and away from the emotion of a game, like perhaps in the offseason, they would probably concur that, that at the end of the day, they just want the correct call made. So that a missed call is not a an outcome to a huge degree where a team misses the playoffs or, you know, they end up getting eliminated in a playoff series. Yeah, for sure. And and, and Todd, I think uh, we need to file this one away. Jay's bringing up a good point about coaches trying to find that angle. And I think we need to pencil in the Roger Nielsen Award for the best coach manipulating the rules to their benefit next season. So Love we're that. Watch that one. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few guys on that list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that's why what I was going to ask Jay is that you'll you'll have players who will argue their point, so to speak. But I I think it it seems as though with with the communication that goes on between the officials on the ice and the players and even the coaches that they will recognize and understand that, yeah, they might argue their point and try to get their way, but they also understand when the right call is made. Oh, for sure, Todd. And, and and I think the biggest thing, and I mean, obviously, the amount of effort that you guys have put into your podcast and your website and understanding officiating, I think at the at the end of the day, you need trust. And that's one thing that I constantly try to impart on the officials that I work with now, whether it's in the American League level, the NHL level, or even at, at our uh, school in Denver, is that you have to establish that trust with the players and the coaches because mistakes are going to be made. But if they can trust you that you are making maximum effort to get the correct call. And again, thinking back to my own career when I started and I was very young and we didn't have video review, that was a big factor in improving my rapport and getting the confidence of the officials and the players that I was working with again at a very young age when I started. Any favorite coach or player interactions that you remember from your 1600 plus games in the National Hockey League? Any that still stick out for you? Probably just off the top of my head, a conversation with Bob Hartley when he was coaching Calgary. And I had a close play at the blue line, which I 
I made correctly that again, that was pre video review, but of course teams were looking at reviews and Bob made it very clear that he wanted me to know that he was a level four official <laughs> in, in Canadian, in the Canadian hockey uh, system. And he wanted to say that, that he could have made that call as well as I did. So I kind of, I kind of had a chuckle because Bob, as you guys know, could kind of, you know, push the buttons or certainly try to bend the rules as best he could to gain an advantage. And I think sometimes was was a little hard to deal with, especially with our younger officials. So to actually have that little moment of humor and interaction was was pretty good. Those are the moments that stick out for a lifetime, as you're recalling, I don't know how many years later. But I don't think everybody also understands the challenges of going through let's say an 82 game season, because officials do not have any home games. They are all road games, the travel, the rigors. It has to wear on you a little bit sometimes. Oh, for sure. And I, I think, you know, obviously you just touched on on two of the biggest points, but I think as someone once told me when I first started in the business, it's it's not so much a business, it's, it's also a lifestyle. And in terms of the partner that you're going to end up with and raising your children and trying to maintain friendships in your hometown during the season. It, it's a challenge and it's not for everybody. And I can speak directly to hockey, but I'm sure if you were to ask a long serving official in baseball or basketball or football, maybe not football because it's more of a part-time thing, but I think they would definitely, you know, agree with what you said, the rigors of road travel and dealing with, you know, canceled flights and dealing with weather and dealing with, with just, being tired and being fatigued and having to get your mindset in the right frame that you can go out and and do your job and compete at the best of your ability for the good of the game. Yeah, and it's uh it's a lot and uh you've certainly earned your stripes and your miles and uh, probably wings or whatever the airlines give out these days for all the frequent <laughs> flyer miles that you've had because I know you've you've certainly put the time in and seen some pretty memorable things and some pretty historic moments, Jay, from being the first black official, linesman, and referee to one of the moments that I thought was pretty cool just over a year ago when we had Jordan Samus Thomas and Shander Alfonso paired up working a game together. I believe it was Blackhawk Sharks for the, the first time. We had two black officials working a National Hockey League game. And if I recall correctly, you were in attendance as the officiating manager for that one, right? I was. And obviously, uh, that was a pretty exciting moment for the NHL. And I think for the three of us that were involved, uh, unfortunately, Shandor and I never got a chance to work together uh, when he got hired, even though I was still on staff. And then obviously when Jordan came on board, I was already off the ice, but I've worked with both of them a lot in addition to some of their other teammates. And And I think it's like anything in, in, in life. I think things can start slowly, but I think when you have two examples as, of those two young men and in terms of the the effort that they've made and the challenges that they've overcome, that's a big motivator for young people that might be out there that think to themselves, well, I don't look like a greater percentage of the NHL players. Is there a place for me? And I think that's been a very big focus of not only the National Hockey League, but so many companies in terms of trying to make an inclusive environment. And there's no reason why officiating hockey can't be part of that conversation. Jay, just one more for me. I want to ask you about the off-season. You have such a busy regular season. We know that officials will participate in charity events and, and camps like yours, but what else do you try to do to relax and recharge during the off-season? 
Well, I don't know about relaxing, but the biggest thing is it's a 12 month a year job as far as training. So there's not many officials that that don't take maybe a couple of weeks off after their season ends and then they get right back into training. But thinking back to when I was still on the ice and, and obviously, you know, having to train at a high level consistently, I think it was just trying to spend time with, you know, your family or the people that are closest to you perhaps from a non-hockey environment and be able to catch up on on family time and, and friend time and, and just take advantage of knowing that you've got, you know, three, maybe three and a half months away from the game where you can you can still train, but you can also try to bridge those gaps of maybe things that you might have missed out during the during the season with all the travel. Well, it'll be here before you know it. We started the countdown, so we're, we're what, just over three months until the puck drops on next season. So that, that time will go quick for everyone, I'm sure. Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. We know you'll be on the ice this August for the Jay Showers Officiating School, taking place in Colorado, first weekend in August. For more information, you can check out scoutingtherefs.com, or we'll be resharing things at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the Jay Showers Officiating School at Showers underscore school on Twitter. They've got more information. And to register, sign up, mechanicscholarship.com. But again, all that stuff is at scoutingtherefs.com. So we'll have it up there. Hopefully you can get one of those spots that are left. Learn from Jay this summer. Learn from an NHL veteran who's refereed, who's worked the lines over 1,600 regular season games, an amazing career, and a great opportunity for you to learn from him. So thanks again to Jay for joining us today on the Scouting the Refs podcast. And hopefully... Some of you folks can join him this August at the Jay Showers Fishing School. We're done. Good job. You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Buddy! That's a nicely done. That's good play.